Hey, hey, you're listening to Johnny Secret Stash. This is John Goldman, and you're listening to us on Radio Harbor Country. That's WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. Uh, and uh, Karis, um, Johnny's Secret Stash is underwritten by Kara's Cottages, one of downtown Kalamazoo's first Airbnbs. Kara's Cottages uh, are, walk- are within walking distance of local shops, breweries, and some of Michigan's most beautiful walking trails. Additional information is at karascottages.com. That's Kara's and Cottages with a K. Hey, I'm really happy to welcome in this uh, today to the show Cam Mamina. Cam is a guitar player, and he plays with uh, Slim Gypsy Baggage, plays with uh, Bonehawk. He's also uh, the owner of this awesome new spot in Sawyer, Michigan, called Side Yard, where they have uh, awesome cocktails and beers and and wine and uh, food. And then they also have the occasional band. And his band, Slim Gypsy Baggage, is going to be playing there on Friday night, the uh, September 23rd. So looking forward to talking with him and uh, get ready. All right. I'm on the phone with Cam Amina. How you doing, Cam? Thanks a lot for coming on the show. How yeah, you? I'm doing great. Oh, good. So you were just saying that you were just at band practice. And that, uh, is that band practice for Slim Gypsy Baggage? That is. So... We haven't played a show together in quite a while. Um, we're all kind of working on different projects currently. Um, myself and Matt, the bass player, and, and Slim Gypsy Baggage are also in a band called Bonehawk. Right. And has a handful of different projects that she's doing. Um, she's doing Mo and Co and the backups. And then Joel, who's the drummer in Slim Gypsy Baggage, he has a couple other things going on. He's an IM band. He has... Uh, acoustic project that he plays with this kid named Elliot. Um, they're, they're really good. So everybody's kind of wrapped up doing other things. And we just decided it was time to kind of take a break from doing some Gypsy Baggage, but we thought it'd be fun to do a show every once in a while still. Yeah, yeah. And I think that you guys are uh, ready to play at uh, Side Yard on this, yeah. this Friday, this Friday night. Yep. Yeah, so we're going to be playing there. I believe we're probably going to start around 7, 15, 7, 30. Um, we're doing a whole seafood boil with Nola Rue there, oh, and cool. St. Joe Jack is opening the night up. Uh, I think he's going to start playing about 5 o'clock, so should be a should be a super fun event with you know good music all night. Yeah, that that's awesome. And, you know, listen, the side yard place that you opened up, you opened up with your wife, right? Yeah, so my wife, Alex, she, she runs the food truck there. Um, I'm still a full-time realtor. That's my regular job. So I, I am more than anything just a facilitator there. You know, if I need to bartend, I bartend. If I need to uh, work in the kitchen with her, I work in the kitchen with her. We have a great bar manager. His name is also Matt, and he has just done a great job with the bar program where I can be very hands-off from that besides just, you know, maybe managing a couple nights a week or bartending and helping out. Right. And what a fun project that is for you guys, too. Uh, <laughs> Um, so let me just back up a second. So with Slim Gypsy Baggage, you guys have not been playing, have not played for a long time and you decided to play this Friday. So what brought that in? How did you decide that, Hey, let's get the band back together for, you know, these limited engagements. You know, what, what drove that? You know, we have a lot of songs that we, that we really like, you know, I, there's a ton of songs that I enjoy playing. Um, more than anything else, I guess that we just kind of got burnt out where it was just, you know, we're grinding, doing a lot of the same stuff. And, it's it's great. We were having fun with it, but it just it felt like it was time for us to work on some other things. Um, and then especially with COVID and everything, it was, you know, let's just focus on what what other projects we have. Yeah. Um, so last summer we did play a couple of things. Um, we played an Art in the Park in Benton Harbor. Uh-huh. And then we played, we, we have an annual show that we've been doing for like the last like seven years at the livery day before Thanksgiving. So we did that. Oh, that's then, a joint one that you do with the uh, Sippy and Family Band, right? Ex- exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that is a fun so, time for sure. Yeah, we were discussing if it's something that we're going to do this year or not, or how we're going to do it, and we're so we were just having that conversation actually a little bit ago. I'm not not sure what's going to happen with it or not. I know that Morgan's definitely going to be involved um, in some way, shape, or form. I imagine Sippians are very involved with it too. So 
we'll see how that whole thing goes. Right. Uh, and and uh, Morgan has a regular thing with uh, Leslie Sipian and Meredith George, the the backups that they do, and Nate Sipian too. Yeah. So yeah, and Nate uh, she's. Them as well. She's very, I mean, you know, all of you guys are very integrated and that's what I always loved about it is that, uh, you know, there was just so many collaborations that, that everybody did together based out of that, uh, you know, mutual love of the, of the livery and, and all the things that were going on there. Totally. Well, and you know, in the area, there's, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of talented musicians, but you just kind of fall in with a group of people that you regularly play with bands that are kind of like-minded and just people you enjoy playing with. And that's, that's what, um, Sipian family band was to Slim Gypsy Baggage. You know, we just played a ton of shows together. I mean, just numerous shows and we always had a really great time and we had crowds and, and audiences that, that were similar. So it made sense for us to do things together. Right. Um, and and what Morgan and Leslie and Meredith have done with backups, I, I think it's awesome. You know, just that three part harmony stuff, so beautiful. And and it's it's very they're able to kind of grow grow the band or shrink the band to fit the space they're playing. Right. You know, they can be just the three of them. They can do a full band when they do the backups, the get downs. So that's yeah, it's it's, it's fun. So I, I I'm always always enjoy going to see them play, and that's been nice too to kind of sit in the back and just be able to watch um, Morgan and Meredith and Leslie do their thing and not, not be the one performing at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. um, But yeah, so to to get back to how, how this whole thing ended up coming up with side yard, um, we really were wanting to do a seafood boil. We thought that was going to be a fun event for us to do. So we lined that up and then I was trying to find a band to do it. And we reached out to a couple that we really like and, just schedule wise, it just ended up not working out for them. We thought we had a couple different ones that were going to work and then it didn't. And then as we we're kind of getting, getting down to the wire, you know, like three, four weeks out and Alex, my wife was like, just get the band back together. And I said, <laughs> I don't want to play at my own bar. Hey, yeah. But, but I talked to everybody and I, I wasn't sure if everybody was going to be receptive to it or not, or if they were going to say, Hey, you know, we have other things to do, but, as soon as I as soon as I shot the group text out, within five minutes, everybody's like, "Heck yeah, let's do it! That'll be so much fun!" And you know, we practiced a couple times. We practiced last week, and then today, I think we're going to try to get one more in before we actually play because we're all a little not that we're rusty with with your music, but it, just maybe but the the particular songs exactly remembering what we were yeah. doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so so it's been really fun practicing, and you know, every time we get together, it's it, I've been playing with Morgan and Matt since I was like 19 or 20 so for, quite, for quite a while. And um, you guys have had Slim Gypsy baggage going strong. I, I was just remembering that uh, I think you're, you had an album and an EP coming out in like 2015, 2016 timeframe. And then you did yeah. a video of uh, one or two of the songs. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys were really doing all kinds of productions with Slim Gypsy baggage. Yeah. And you know, I think that, for however fun that is and however cool that is, that definitely contributed to it being like very, very much a lot of work. Sure, know? sure. So instead of just kind of playing because we were enjoying playing, it was, you know, we're, yeah, we love playing the shows, but at the same time, we're, we're grinding. We're trying to do something with it. We're trying to get on good shows and, and trying to always kind of push the envelope with the shows we were doing, especially at the livery where, you know, we did the, the whole Abbey Road album one time. Oh, that's and, right. That was great. Yeah. And, so every time we were doing it, it's like, okay, we can't just do the same thing. We got to do something different. And then that, that kind of took, took a lot of energy and it was fun. It was super fun. But as you know, as we all had ended up with some other projects on hand, it felt like it was time to just kind of step back from it, but it's so fun to, to visit it all again. And especially play with those people, um, you know, Matt Morgan and Joel, they're, they're fantastic musicians and, and they're great friends of mine too. So it's, it's really, really nice to, to hang out with them and be able to play together. Do you, um, have you guys written any new original music? Those uh, 2015 and 2016 uh, albums were all original music. Have you done anything since then? Well, you know, we actually have one that was recorded. We recorded it at the same time that we did the other one in 2016 and we just hadn't put it out. So there's a bunch of songs there. (laughs) Cool. And then we have four or five that we never recorded um, that we were just messing around with 
and they're they're cool. And I, I think at some points in time, we will get together and record those, and you know, see what else comes out of that. Um, maybe some other new recordings at some point or new songs. I mean, I send we still send each other like song ideas and stuff, um, especially because all of our projects that we're that we do are quite different than some Gypsy Baggage. So right, it's, right. it's easy to not not feel like you're stealing from your other project. Like, I mean, you're never going to have a, a bone, a, a song that you say, is this a bone Hawk song or a slim gypsy baggage? Song? There's it's, no confusion. <laughs> no, no, it's going to be one or the yeah. other. So um, tell me about bone Hawk. Uh, you got, they had been in, they'd been going for a while and I think they're the, the primary uh, person with bone Hawk before you and Matt joined was the drummer. Is that correct? Uh, the the singer guitarist. The singer, also, okay, the singer yeah. and guitarist, yeah. And his name is also Matt. So okay. So here we have uh, two Matts in that band. From the bar manager <laughs> where I worked, Matt. My father-in-law, his name is Matt. I'm surrounded by Matt. Yeah, Matt's <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so Matt Helt is his name, and he's he's a cool guy. Uh, he's a graphic designer, um, and just has such a great vision for that band. So that was a project that he actually started back in 2012, 2013. Um, and right around 2015, I, I was in another band called Old Man Mason. It's kind of a heavy, like heavy band. Uh-huh. Um, and we were playing a lot of shows together. We'd do some little tours and stuff like that. And just really great dudes, like people that we really enjoyed playing with. Um, and so when Old Man Mason dissolved, that was probably 2016, 2017, just with people's, you know, work schedules and whatever else. Sure. Um, I I mean, there's still like, there was a little bit of a void for me in terms of like, I, I really like playing, you know, heavy, loud rock music. It's, it's fun. Well, your you know? guitar playing definitely lends to that. Uh, you know, you've, you, uh, you've got all the, the riffs going and, uh, um, you know, you're, you're a clear cut lead guitar player. You know, you're, you're not playing a lot of uh, rhythm guitar when, when you're playing with other people? No, typically not. I mean, like to, I, I, I feel like I've gotten better at rhythm guitar over the years. Yeah. I, I feel like I've always been a better lead guitar player than rhythm player, but then, you know, especially with doing some like the collaborative projects, sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to play rhythm the entire time and I'm going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, but yeah, so uh, it was actually, it was kind of a funny story. Matt Smith and I, we had just been at a Siffy and Family Band Slim Gypsy Baggage collaborative practice. And this must this probably was in 2019. And Matt and I afterwards decided to go grab a beer. Uh, we were we went over to Haymarket and we're sitting there and Matt's like, Man, I'd love to make a band like Bonehawk. It's a band that we both really like, you know. Yeah. It, was, it was literally after I and when I was playing with them, they're uh their album rode in my car. That was what I would listen to in the car when I was going for a run or whatever. Cause it's just energetic fun. Oh music. yeah. Yeah. Um, and I said, dude, I, I believe that their guitar player has left the band recently. So I pulled it up on, on Facebook and come to find out their guitar player and their bass player both have left the band for you know, various <laughs> reasons. And I'm sitting there with man, like Matt, how cool would that be if we were in Bonehawk? <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm buddies with them, so I sent them a message through Facebook. And Nate, the drummer, answers. And he, he was on a bullet train in Japan because he was on tour with his, his other band, Mustard Plug. And he's like, hey, man, that actually sounds really cool. Uh, I'll, I'll touch base with help tomorrow, and then we'll, then we'll chat. And so this is, you know end of 2019 we started playing together and then all of a sudden COVID hits so we were just writing remotely and sending sending each other music back and forth um writing new songs and that was that was kind of and then you know it kind of was like the rest of the world everything went on standstill for a while yeah, that's and then, right. then when it felt you know reasonable enough we started practicing again and getting getting things together and started playing out a bunch of shows starting last summer and just kind of been grinding with that having a good time. Oh, that's great. And have you guys written any new material with Bonehawk? Yeah, we have a we have a handful of new songs, um things in the works. We're definitely hoping to get into the studio this winter and record some new stuff. I don't know if it's going to be a full length or an EP or a split with somebody, but we're just, you know, kind of seeing what comes with that. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, the, the songs are really cool. It's just a fun band to play in because 
you have the that dual guitar harmony that that plays so so it's very interplayed with with each musician and it's groovy and at the same time it's just hard hitting we say that all our songs are either bangers or jammers they're either really, <laughs> really short like rock songs or they're like seven eight nine minute long jammers so it's it's fun so they uh, bonehawk already had a you know whole library of music before you joined <laughs> you were familiar with it and yeah. uh, and matt had heard it and so uh, when you guys joined there there probably wasn't too much downtime in terms of you getting up to speed and being able to play the songs that bonehawk already did did you i mean well, you know, it's all relative, I guess. Uh, but when you did join the band, did you find that, um, you know, there was a, a sort of a new vibe that was created? I mean, it couldn't, you know, all of you new players with the existing uh, singer and and a guitar player couldn't all sound just exactly like Bonehawk used to sound. And that's probably not what you were trying to do. I mean, it, it's a very distinctive sound that the band has and just the way that you have those guitar harmony parts you can't really you know fully change the the song structure or something it's like this is this is the song this is the way it's played they definitely vibe differently they feel different for that matter the drummer that's that's in the band nate he's a different drummer than the actually you want to hear something crazy matt Hell, <laughs> the, the guitar player yeah and singer he actually recorded the drums on the first album so, oh is that right yeah <laughs> so he so was he was full in yeah, there was apparently one time, like a few shows, a very, very brief period where they lost their drummer. So instead of having two guitars, they had just the one guitarist and then Matt was playing drums and singing for a few shows. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it definitely has a different vibe. I think the songs we're writing are a little bit different um, and we definitely kind of get more to the like that classic 70s blues rock inspired stuff. Um a little bit more than the heavier, you know, super heavier metal side yeah. of it. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it's... it's That's really more the band. jam side of the band? Yeah. We're, yeah. we're definitely doing more jammers than bangers. <laughs> yeah. The we're writing. So it's, it's, a, it's a good mix, though. We try to kind of balance it out because you can't have everything sound the same. And uh, Bonehawk is based out of Grand Rapids. Is that right? Is that where Matt held us from? Uh, Matt lives in Kalamazoo. Oh, Kalamazoo. Uh, he's, okay. He's in Schoolcraft. And then Nate, the the drummers in Grand Rapids. Okay. So when we started playing together, he was in Grand Rapids. And over the pandemic, he moved to Lansing. And then he moved back to Grand Rapids recently. And then Matt Smith and I are located down here. Yeah, yeah. And and you've been doing all kinds of touring with Bonehawk, not just yeah. around Michigan, but uh, didn't you have an East Coast uh, uh, tour a couple, maybe a month ago? We, we actually have one coming up this coming month. Ah, so gotcha. end of October, we're playing, I think we're, I know we're doing Asheville. We have a few dates down in Florida that coincide with, there's a big festival there called Fest. So we're playing that. On the way back, we're playing in Nashville. Um, so yeah, we have, we have a handful of dates that we're going to do. That's yeah, big that's time. Awesome. So, so who books yeah. you guys? I mean, how do you uh, Bonehawk? We, we self book. Yeah, and so how do you get into these festivals in different parts of the country? Just you send know, them a tape and keep them on the phone. With the style of music that we play, uh, we've been able to be on some cool uh, Bonehawks. Even before me, has been able to be on cool record labels. So, Bonehawk was signed to Ripple Music um, for their first album, uh-huh. and. That opened a lot of doors. Just there's a very, you know, it's kind of niche. It sits in that like stoner rock, um, you know, community. So the people that are into that, they they gobble up music. You know, they, they check out everything. Um, and the new album, the newest album that came out in 2020, Iron Mountain, we released that through a label called Cursed Tongue out of out of Europe. Uh huh. And so that, you know, that always helps when you're on a on a lineup with a bunch of other good bands, you know, when, when right. bookers and promoters can see that, Hey, they, they do cool stuff. They play with cool people. Um, so that's, that's been really helpful. Um, beyond that, Bonehawk was so prolific with the amount that they were touring and playing back in 2015, 2016, 2017, um, that there's been a, a lot of places that are, you know, excited to have us come back and, and do it again. And then on top of that, Nate, being in mustard plug has a lot of really great connections for festivals and, and other things. So, um, 
with all these people's involvement in the music industry and the, the scene, you know, all around, all around the United States over the last 20 years, it's, it's very, uh, it's, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people, you know, playing music, aren't sure where to start. And, uh, you know, I know that you've played festivals with Slim Gypsy Baggage. You guys played at summer camp, I want to say in 2017 Mm -hmm. or 18, uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, you play, you guys are playing all around the Harbor Country area um, and Bonehawk too. You know, you guys are playing all over the place. You played at Watermark a couple of weeks ago. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to be able to have that, uh, you know, regional or even national um, uh, visibility, um, how does that affect your record sales? Or is record sales not really anything you focus on these days? I mean, we sell a lot of vinyl. Oh, so, gotcha. So, so at shows? Like, is that yeah, to at primo? shows, yeah. online. Um, you know, when we announced announced the the newest album that came out in 2020, uh, we had we had very strong sales in Europe, and that was helpful because we had a you know a European record label, so we were able to distribute everything over there. Yeah, have so you done that, a Euro- was, Have you guys done a European tour? No, but I would love <laughs> to. That'd be the worst. So we we would we'd be really excited to have that opportunity at some point. Um, but it just has not come to fruition yet. We were, you know, we were really hopeful that, you know, prior to COVID or, you know, even as we were releasing this album that we were going to have some chances to do that beyond that, like that album. So there's a, like a music blog called doom charts that rates albums every single month um, in like the heavier music um, styles. Yeah. And, and our album came out and was number one on June charts that month and was still ranked the following month. And then at the end of the year when they did their, uh, you know, their best albums of the year out of thousands of albums, we were, I don't, I don't remember what number we were, but we were in the top 10 albums. That's of the year. great. Wow. So, so it's been interesting because even when we go play with other bands, like recently we played a festival with, do you know, have you heard Biomassive before? I think they're I like, have. Yeah. Yeah. They're like an electronic dance party band. They're super awesome, super awesome dudes. And one of the keyboard players in Biomass was like, I found you guys on Doom Charts. I was so stoked that we were playing with you. (laughs) Even for that matter, um, just kind of some of that publicity of what we've done has helped us with booking shows and getting on, getting on cool stuff. Sure. Sure. I mean, just to be able to, you know, show them that you've got albums out there that probably goes a long way, even if, uh, you know, a talent buyer or, or whoever's booking a particular show uh, doesn't yeah. know of your work directly. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, and for that matter, it also helps us sell albums. So, I mean, you're, we get a lot of online sales. The first, you know, week that that album came out, we were at, and we actually got the vinyls in hand. We were just sitting and packing albums and throwing throwing shipping <laughs> labels on them and getting them ready to go. Um, so, fun problem to have for sure. Yeah. Totally. And beyond being a graphic designer, Matt um, also has a screen printing shop. Uh, so he'll, he'll just come up with new merch and get it printed and yeah. you know, he'll sell it at shows or ship it out. So he, he has a great vision for the band and, and definitely has a good way of, you know, bringing it all together and making it a marketable thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you're on kind of both sides of it with uh, side yard, being able to book bands and, you know, with these various bands having dealt with production and, um, uh, you know, playing different places, uh, you know, you, you kind of handle all aspects of the, of the band industry at the, at this point. I guess I do. Yeah. <laughs> I and how, have you been having fun, uh, you know, finding bands and, and having them play at side yard? I mean, that just seems yeah. like a fun thing to be, uh, be able to do for you. Being able to bring all your friends there and, and get them all to play and stuff like that. Absolutely. You know, I've been trying to be very conscientious of just not, you know, being ridiculously loud and angering my neighbors. Sure. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. You're, you guys are new to the neighborhood there. and there are, there are yeah. houses right behind you kind of. Exactly. And, you know, so first things first, as soon as we moved in, the guy with the house behind us. Yeah. We, we made friends with him and. So when people hit ping pong balls over his fence, he brings me a bag of ping pong balls like once a week, and I give him a cocktail. <laughs> but he, he's he's a he's a really nice guy. So um, we we have a good rapport with him, and we want to keep that. Um, 
uh, right right next door to us, we have Remax, and I'm actually as I put my license there, so my oh, that's actually at that Remax. So hopefully yeah. they're you know they're happy enough with us. Um, and beyond that, when we're playing shows on weekends and stuff, we're not you know they're not typically not in business. Yeah, right. Um, they don't have their they're not open, being disturbed by uh, the noise and exactly out right there. But so that's been very important to me as we've been booking people too. Is that hey, we're being we're being volume conscious and we're right. not we're not angering anybody because I for that matter if somebody's eating at Greenbush and they're out front and they don't want to be listening to a band they really shouldn't have to listen to a band that's like playing so, yeah yeah well that's, or at uh, least at least not too loud it shouldn't be obnoxious yeah right it shouldn't be so, overwhelmed shouldn't affect their uh, ability to talk with each other and stuff like that but and, and it should be good music too because that would be yeah. super lame if I just pumped out bad bands there so we've it's something that we're definitely wanting to continue to kind of ramp up and, and make them very event oriented where we sure. do it with a pop-up with a, with a restaurant that does like a takeover of our food trucks. So like this one we're doing with Nola Roo. Um, we did a couple with Papusa time yep, we did yep. one with, with animal, which is, um, houndstooth. Uh, James oh, Albert, the owner okay. of houndstooth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they actually, their, their new restaurant animal is opening up. I think I want to say, in the next week. So. Yeah, I, I keep. I was over at Houndstooth a couple of weeks ago, and they mentioned that, uh, but I wasn't able to figure out where that restaurant's actually planning to open. Is it on Main Street there? Yeah, it's on Main Street, right on the roundabout, um, oh, okay. across from the old Third Coast Paddling Building. Um, Emma Hearth and Market was in the building for a while. It's a white building, right on the right on the roundabout. Oh, okay, gotcha. So, so right near Fifth Street or Sixth Street over there. Yeah, I believe that's that is fifth right there. So oh, the okay. corner of fifth and main. I got you. Yeah, so basically just right across from where Houndstooth is. Yeah, I mean yeah. on the block pretty much, kind of across kitty corner across the park. Boy, that neighborhood is just so much fun. That whole arts district of Benton Harbor. What a um you know, and it's really been slow to start. I mean the livery was sort of like there by themselves for years without yeah. anything else going on and and, you know, little by little, things come, and they give it a good try, and sometimes they make it, sometimes they don't. But that neighborhood's got real character, and and uh, I, I hope it keeps growing the way it is. I I think it will. You know, yeah. I, I think as people put investments into that area, that it, it can only – there's only one way for it to go. And for that matter, with the um, – Cornerstone you know, with, Alliance. With, yeah, Cornerstone Alliance and with the – like the weed shops and stuff. I mean, that's right. I, I imagine that's definitely fueling some of the uh, investments into the area. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, my family, our family's business has been right there, right downtown Benton Harbor in the Arts District for the since the seventies or sixties. What's um, your family's it's business? There, it's a oh sure, yeah, supply company. Yeah. So, so it's been interesting watching all of that kind of grow around there. I mean, right. Right, because I, we, you know, we've been across the street for it the whole time, so, so yeah, that's that's been very interesting, and I think without delivery, um, it would be. I, I think that, that they were almost like a beacon of hope for people to do cool things there. But even before Absolutely. delivery, I mean, the ideal place was right over there, and that was an awesome restaurant. And, I mean, it, it is cool. Yeah, Mason Jar. Yeah, Mason Jar is great over there, and yeah. and they've uh, yeah, Ford Coffee, Forte Coffee. Uh, three pillars can't forget about uh, Tom Ives. Oh, yeah, Tom. Give him a shout out. Three pillars, yeah. Tom, Tom's the coolest. Man. He is. I've known, I've known him since I was probably like ten or eleven or twelve. <laughs> I'm friends with all of his kids. I was actually at his daughter's wedding um, up in Traverse City area last last summer, and it was really nice to hang out with all of them. Yeah. So, so um, you uh, you know you're I've seen you play guitar and uh, i don't want to embarrass you but uh you are an outstanding guitar player that that didn't come around just by you know sitting around your room uh what uh, kind of you know history do you have playing guitar i mean you you've really developed a, a great skill there thank you um i started playing probably probably when i was like eight or nine and really started taking it serious when, seriously when i was like 11 12 your sister's um, a musician too right did that my, my uh, uh, my aunt Jenna. Oh, your aunt. Oh, so she's your aunt. I gotcha. Um, but uh, she did. Did that uh, have any effect on on your desire to play? I mean, were there influences like that in your family? You know, 
I don't want to say that it was, you know, me listening to her was what made me want to play, but I was always around. I was always going to shows that she was playing all over. I mean, I remember being in the Bay Area and being like five, going to going <laughs> to shows that she was playing, or she'd do something at the Box Factory or whatever else. Um, and yeah, I mean, she always had just amazing guitar players too. So that's definitely, you know, it, right. it, when, when you're that young and seeing it and for that matter, for playing festivals and going to those like blues and jazz festivals, or for that matter, she was playing um jazz fest down in New Orleans, and I was probably nine or ten and got to go down there wow. and see all sorts of bands. So, I, I mean, it's definitely I, I'd say being around the music had a big impact, but I wasn't necessarily saying I'm going to learn how to play jazz. Guitar. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't that uh, direct. <laughs> no. But yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely been helpful. And, you know, then through like middle school and high school and whatever else, I just really kind of sat in my room and played a lot of guitar. So he did. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's, you know what? Play, Listen, I was sort of making a joke, but that yeah. really is the only way to, to be get yeah. to get good. Just playing, you, playing, playing. Yeah. But then getting good at playing with people is a whole nother skill. Sure. You know? Right. I mean, you have to have the chops, but then figuring out how to do it and do it in a tasteful manner takes takes time too yeah and there are definitely days where i do not play tastefully <laughs> but but sometimes i do something and i'm like oh that was cool and that fit really well so i mean I, I feel like i'm still getting better but probably not not as noticeable to others as much as to me <laughs> yeah did so. you take lessons when you were a kid or did you yeah. just oh yeah okay yeah I, I took guitar lessons for probably three four five years um took them at ferris music back in when I was in Benton Harbor. Uh-huh. Um, so did that. Then my guitar teacher opened a place in the box factory. And I think I did about my last year of guitar lessons there. Um, it was, you know, it, and then just went out on your own. <laughs> yeah. Kind of got to a point where I was like, you know, I feel like I can learn whatever. And it's so interesting now seeing kids learning because, you know, when I was, you know, 15, 16 is probably when YouTube came out. And it wasn't, you know, full of content like it is today. And you see kids now that are, you know, 10, 12, 14 years old, and they've literally learned from watching YouTube videos and they're just, they're, they shred and they're amazing. And it's, it's completely different, but yeah, you used to kind of have to have somebody to hold your hand through it more so than, than I think you need now. Yeah. Um, well, the YouTube videos are definitely uh, a great way for someone to to get um, get into it, um, to, to get introduced to being able to play. It yeah. uh, you know gives you you know to, I guess it depends on the on the um, uh, the author of the YouTube video, but gives you a lot of uh, of uh, ability to be able to learn how to do it. Did. For sure. um, uh, so you, sounds like you, by the time you were maybe 12, 13, you know, really felt confident in your music and your guitar playing abilities. Did you start a band at that time or, you know, what kind of things were you doing? Yeah, um, I started playing in like bands and stuff when I was 15, Yeah, uh, about 15, you know, and beyond that, I always had, you know, my, probably from the time I was, you know, 11 or 12 had like friend bands where, you know, we'd go in the basement, we'd jam and play music. Yeah, you know? right, right. Just like having covers, friends over. Whatever. And... It was going to be like Nirvana songs or Blink-182 songs or Green Day songs, you know, just simple stuff. Um, and yeah, it was, it, we I did that. Were those the kind of bands that inspired you back then? What kind of music were you listening to when you were first learning I mean, how to play I think that was guitar? the kind of music that we were able to play. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. But I, I, I love Nirvana. Uh, Nirvana. Oh, yeah. Always, always been one of my favorite bands. Um, then I got really into Alice in Chains, and that's uh-huh. kind of where Jerry Cantrell's guitar playing. He's he's probably one of my favorite guitar players in in the realm of you know guitar players that people would pick in in, in a poll of good guitar players. Um, so, was there any yeah. band that you heard and you thought I got to learn how to play guitar? I, I just want to be able to do that, man. Because you know I'm thinking I, like. You know, I was talking about this the other day with someone that uh, um, Bruce Springsteen, when when he first heard Elvis Presley, he was like eight years old. And he said, I got to play like that. You know, he was just so fascinated with Elvis Presley, and he, you know, got his mom to buy him a guitar and and learned how to play guitar and everything. And, you know, the rest is history. But uh, it's, you know, stuff like that, like, you know, one guy, 
kind of, yeah. uh, you know, uh, he, he saw it and was just transformed. Was so there that any... would be, for me, that would be Brian Setzer. Which ah. totally, I, I do not play rockabilly. I mean, but I was probably five or six years old and my, my parents, we had, you know, our whole stereo set up and I would just listen to Stray Cats records all the time. That was one of my very favorite bands. That's great. Um, do, you, do you ever get yeah. inspired to, you know, play rockabilly type music now? Every once in a while I will, you know, I'll, I'll get a bug and, <laughs> yeah. and sit and go like learn a guitar solo from, you know, straight, like straight cat strut or something like that. It's, it's just so far away from what I'm doing at this point in time that I, I think I would have to take like a year and really dig in and, and get to get very good at it. Well, but it's just kind I, of fun I, too, you know, yeah. just sort of the rolling sounds and, and that kind totally. of thing. It, uh... And there's definitely like tonal parts of it that I, that I emulate where, you know, maybe some big, like, spring reverbs or like slap back delay stuff or even just work with like the tremolo arm kind of how he uses his bigsby um so there's there's things i picked up from that um that i that i utilize today but are, my, what what comes out is completely different i guess um what kind yeah. of what kind of equipment do you play with? you know what kind of guitar do you play with an amp and uh pedals and what are your yeah. you know what are kind of your go-to favorites when it comes to that stuff oh man so depending on what band i'm playing with I have a few different things that I really like. So we'll start with guitars, uh, jazz master style guitars, like Fender jazz master uh -huh. style guitars are my favorites. I have an old like 1961 jazz master. That was my main guitar for a long time. Um, and I kind of replaced it with a Collings, um, that pretty much is appointed like a jazz master as a jazz master tremolo has, uh, pickups that emulate jazz master pickups. Um, and with Slim gypsy baggage, that's what I use a lot. I also have a like an electric resonator that I'll use occasionally, um, but I'm probably not going to use it this Friday just to bring one less thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> then amp wise, I typically will use like something Fendery or maybe occasionally a Vox. I have a Matchless, um, an early '90s Matchless that I really love. It's actually a funny story. I sold it, and I was bummed about selling it as soon as I sold it, and last year or so i saw it pop back up on reverb um and i, and I messaged the guy I said hey man i think that's my old amp and we like compared pictures <laughs> and it absolutely was and he, so he pulled it off and then i met then i drove and met him and picked it and bought it back from oh him. man that's great yeah, so you actually the guy that you sold it to you bought it back from it was a different guy. Oh, so okay. He, but it but it was the I, same I, amp that had gone through a couple different yeah. hands and you were able to, that's yep. amazing Wow. Yeah, so I drove up to Wisconsin to buy it back. <laughs> I met the guy, bought him a beer, and we chatted, had a beer, and uh, then went on my way. But it was, it was I'm so happy to have that back. So yeah. I, I, I love that amp. I, I will never sell it again. I messed up once. So, <laughs> uh, so love that one. But beyond that, I mean, it's, you know, a Fender Twin, that, or maybe every once in a while I have a Fender Supersonic, which is pretty much like a deluxe reverb. And that's a lot of times what I'll use for like the smaller Slim Gypsy baggage shows when I don't want to be as loud. Uh-huh. Um, right, right. For Bonehawk, I use, I have an amp called a Varellen. The builder, his name is Ben Varellen. He's not making amps anymore, but he's out of Washington State. Um, it's kind of modeled after maybe like a high watt or something like that, but you know, big, loud, beefy amp. Um, I have an orange that I've had for the last probably 13, 14 years, and it I, I use that occasionally as well with Bonehawk. I think that, I think I might have seen you playing with that one at uh, Watermark. Oh, and Matt was using an orange. Oh, so he, okay. So because he's using an orange, I try not to use the same amp. Oh, so we right, have right. a little bit more of a different tone. But I actually used to use that with Slim Gypsy Baggage too, and uh, that's primarily when I was running with two amps. So I'd have like a Fender and the orange, and then I would you know AB through them or run in stereo. Uh huh. So. So that being said, I have just a ridiculous list of guitar pedals. So yeah. I, 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 I have a problem. <laughs> guitar I, pedal I, problem. You and Conley, Adam Conley, uh, he's got a ton of guitar pedals and he's always changing totally. out his board and stuff. Totally. And, you know, I, 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 when I'm at home, I have two boards. So I have my board that I use for, like, all my bands, and then I have a board with all my fun effects, and that goes afterwards. And that's... Uh, that's 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 my favorite one, but I just can't justify bringing two boards everywhere anymore. It's a little bit ridiculous, and <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 if I can't fit it on one, I shouldn't be using it. <laughs> there you go. About it at this point. Um, 
but yeah, so typically I pretty much use the same setup right now. Like what I'm using for Slim Gypsy Baggage this week is essentially the same board that I used for Bonehawk. I just pulled a fuzz off and put a different distortion on in its place. But um, that's running into a wah. And from the wah, it goes to like a clon style pedal uh, for like a boost. Then I'm running into an octave of some sort. Um, and that, so with Bonehawk, I typically use like an analog octave up. For this, I'm using um, like kind of like a, like a, yet yeah, like an electroharmonics, like um, octave up, octave down. Then that's running into, typically I'm running into like a big muff style fuzz for Bonehawk. This I'm using a um, kind of like a Marshall in a box, and that's my main distortion sound. Then from there, I'm running into um, an Earthquaker uh, delay. And from there, I'm running into uh, Old Blood Dark Star, which is another kind of like delay and reverb in one that I use to kind of get some weird noises. Um, then I go to a, then I go to an old Moog um, ring modulator pedal, and I pretty much use that as my tremolo, and it can do some pretty cool stuff. And then that runs to a chorus, and then out to the amp. So, wow, wow, that's yeah. uh, that's a lot of options. Uh, yeah, I but mean, you know, it, sometimes I feel like it's not enough, and that's why I have the second board at home for making <laughs> all the really fun noises. But that's like. When I'm at home, then I'm running into two amps and I'm sitting on the ground and just twisting knobs. And I only really play guitar anymore. I just you're just playing notes. with your toys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I got really inspired by bands like Minus the Bear, or for that matter, a lot of like the cooler post-rock bands like Mogwai and um, Explosions in the Sky, and you know that type of stuff. Where I just want to make like big soundscapes and pretty sounds. And so when I'm sitting at home, that's what I try to do. Um, yeah. And do you uh, do you have your own recording equipment too? Do you do any recording? Yeah, yeah I do. I do quite a bit of recording. Um, this last year, I just haven't had time to really do much of anything. But before that, before we started doing the bar, uh, I I would regularly, you know, have a home studio set up. Actually, where we were just practicing at, I sold that house um, in St. Joe. And I still have like a recording like active space behind the house, and the, and the, the owner is kind enough to let me practice with my band there. So. Oh, that's great! So, yeah, yeah. So I might thinking about putting all my recording stuff back in there just to kind of have a good home for it. But um, I typically have like a, you know an office space in whatever house we're at, and pretend I'm doing real estate but just record music. <laughs> <laughs> Do you record other oh, people? Like, hey, or... I, uh, I gotta go in the other room. No. Do you but record other other bands or other uh, musicians, or do you mainly just you know do your own stuff I, and record the bands you're with? I just try to do my own stuff. Yeah, and I I feel like I'm, I I've gotten to a point where like the quality of what I record, I could I could put it out. I could like send somebody to master and then put it out and feel you know feel decent about it. But what I'm primarily doing is just demoing, and uh -huh. that's and I'm good with that. I mean. It, they're good demos they sound pretty sweet like i could send you them and you'd be like hey that's you know i can play that on my show and i wouldn't be uh wouldn't be embarrassed but at the same point in time you know i i'm doing it so that i can save an idea You're right so, right so you do a lot of your own writing of songs and uh, at least exactly. the uh the music part of it do you do you write lyrics as well no no i i don't write lyrics i i'm very happy to record guitars and do all that what what was interesting with the pandemic and everything was I was able to kind of talk all my all my band buddies into buying and downloading the exact same recording program uh -huh. so that we could all send music around. So um, I don't know. Do you know Chris Story? You know, uh, that he's sounds down at delivery. He's a really great musician. Him and I pass music back and forth right that way. Um, oh, that's cool. Then, so, uh, yeah, then everybody in Boat Hawk, that's exactly what we do, too. Like that's I'll, how you collaborate with those guys, being exactly. at different spots. Uh, yeah, so one. Matt Help, doesn't, he's not, like, the most tech-savvy guy, so he'll send me, like, a phone recording of a guitar part, uh -huh. and then I'll record it and send it back to him, and he'll be like, yeah, I like that. And we'll just kind of, like, keep bouncing ideas back and forth until I write out a full song. Um, and then we'll send it to everybody in the band. So we'll send it to Nate and he'll record drums on it. And then we'll send it to Matt and he'll record bass parts on it. And then they get it all back to me and I just kind of chop it up and mix it all down and make it sound, make it sound reasonable. And then add guitar solos and double guitars and, you know, do all the fun stuff. 
And then, so. and then does Matt Hub, uh write the the lyrics? Yep, and that so that's how uh, he writes. Then yeah, then he has the whole song, so he can write the lyrics. And then we'll get together and we'll play them. And you know, they typically work. Generally, we don't record stuff we can't play, but every once in a while, I'll do something stupid in the process of recording and be like, "Oh yeah, there's no way I can jump from this part to that part," and it, it, while playing. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Or, yeah, the things that you that you created in the studio don't necessarily translate to a live playing. No, is that that's what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, you can do way cooler stuff in a studio than you can do live, but at the same points in time. Well, that was like you know. Steely Dan, you know, and for them to even end up playing live after, you know, they they focus so hard on uh, creating their music in the studio it was probably very difficult for them to translate it into a live show i would imagine yeah i mean you even listen to like even things like abbey road right and that that one comes up in my head because you know it's something that we ended up learning front to back right right? you learned the whole album front to back that was amazing yeah and at the end of the day i mean is that Obviously, it can be performed live. People do perform it live, but the Beatles never performed any of it live. You That's know? right. That was after they stopped performing. They were just a studio. I mean, they were they were a studio project at that point. Right. They were just recording stuff they like to make. So it would be interesting to see if that album would have gotten made if they were primarily focusing on playing live still. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, good point. Well, I mean, they kind of um, they they created a whole new era of of uh studio recording at that time you know it, yeah. studio recording up to that point seemed to be that okay i've got this live band and i got to get mm-hmm. them you know i got to capture their sound and uh what better way to do it than in the studio and then the beatles came in and said well we've got all this stuff that we can then create all these different sounds and put them together in different ways and uh i mean they did some amazing stuff uh, when they yeah. when they came off the road and and just decided to to work in the studio, for sure. So uh, when you guys recorded your uh, your albums with Slim Gypsy Baggage, was that the first time that you got into uh, doing any kind of recording, or were you doing that even before then? So I, I, I the first thing I remember recording was probably like fifteen years old. And I was with like a band I played with in high school and. We went into a studio in, in Benton Harbor and recorded, you know, a little EP. And it's probably floating around somewhere. Um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully nobody had it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I remember, remember doing that. And then even for that matter, I remember one of my friends who I always played guitar with and, you know, when we were in middle school and whatever, having like a little recording program on his computer. And it, it's really interesting. You know, I, I grew up in an era where, Know, having having the ability to record yourself at home and then manipulate it was possible without just having like you know a little Tascam field recorder or something. Yeah. Um. So I I probably got my first like recording interface type thing when I was like 16 years old, and when I was 18 I got more into actually 17 18 is when I got more into like recording myself and like learning how to do that because it's it's kind of intimidating, you know, you're like, Oh yeah, I play guitar. I can play guitar. Okay. But then now I have to learn how to like record it. That's right. It's a, it's a new skill. It's, it's not, it doesn't automatically translate from one to the other. So I was living in Chicago after I got out of high school. Um, and me and my buddy, Chris, we would just sit and record, record music, um, together and write songs together. And, you know, we were just using like garage band. And if I go back and listen to that, it's, I mean, it's almost unlistenable. It was really bad. <laughs> the songs were cool. I mean, we actually had some really cool songs, but the quality of what I was recording was really bad. Um, and then when I moved back here, um, Mike Mike Cook recorded our very first like Slim Gypsy Baggage EP. Uh, and that would... I remember I turned 21 while we were recording that because I got drunk in the studio and played a solo. It was cool. It turned <laughs> out good. So, you know, that doesn't always work, but I was 21 for that. So that's, that was kind of like my reintroduction into, okay, playing in, in somebody else's studio. He had a cool space. He still has it, but really, really cool space with cool equipment. Um, and then with Slim Gypsy Baggage started recording 
down in Nashville. Oh, more. is that right? You did uh, yeah. those albums in Nashville. Yeah. So there's um, at least yeah. So the, the the latest one and then the one that we never released uh, were both done in Nashville. Uh, and a guy named Kent Wells, his studio. Uh, he has a really really beautiful studio. He's a he's Dolly Parton's band leader, and so she records there. Ah. And wow. it's a cool space. And then um, recently, or I guess more recently, we also did a few more recordings with uh, and Matt Rawlings. And I, I'd encourage you to go check him out. He is he is one of the top like session keyboard piano players in all of Nashville. And he's also just a ridiculously good producer. He, he's produced for some some people. And if, if you pull up his discography, it's it's mind blowing. So he's a friend through, through Jenna, through my aunt, and he's down there. And so we, we ended up recording with him in some cool studios, too, and on some, on some songs that never, never got released. So maybe those will come out someday. Yeah, yeah. And with Bonehawk, who did you guys record that album with, the 2020 That one was, re- was recorded in Kalamazoo. Um, but yeah, so we, we didn't go down to Nashville for that, but the guy yeah. who did it did a fantastic job. Um, but yeah, so we're kind of figuring out where we're going to go again for the next, for the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, uh, thought about doing your own recording and then, uh, sending it out to get mastered and, and doing it like that? Or is it much better to just have someone else doing the actual uh, producing and recording and stuff like that? You know, how I do you, think it's, I think it's more fun to have somebody else do it because then it's kind of like the, the final check on what you're doing. Maybe you're, maybe sure. you're going to hear something differently. And for that matter. I mean, I'm a much better guitar player than producer. Well, and they and can bring something to the table too, and a, a exactly. separate they're, producer. They're the fifth band member, yeah. You know, and maybe they have some cool equipment that they're gonna say, "Hey, what you did was so cool. Let's throw this really obscure fuzz pedal I have on that, um, and it's gonna sound awesome, right?" Or maybe they're gonna say, "Hey, I don't. I think the chorus is too long. How about you cut this? Or how will we change this?" So having somebody that's you know unrelated to what was already created come in and then be able to say hey let's try something different because i think i i hear it i hear something and i think it's going to be even better sometimes you're too emotionally yeah sometimes you're too emotionally attached to the way that you've already been playing the song or or recording the song and so it's helpful to have somebody come in and and uh, look at it with fresh eyes and maybe a different perspective and give you some input Exactly. And, you know, yeah. even if you're not, even if you're not like that emotionally attached to it, but you're just, you know, that's just, that's, that's what I wrote. That's just what I'm playing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's not that good. <laughs> it's hard to break away from that. Right. Right. So. Well, Cam, this has uh, been a real pleasure. I'm talking to Cam Amina. He is with uh, Bonehawk, Slim Gypsy Baggage, owner of Side Yard with his wife. And uh, actually Slim Gypsy Baggage is going to be playing at, uh, at Side Yard this Friday, September 23rd. Uh, I think you said you go on about 7, 7.15, and you're yeah. going to be, uh, you have uh, St. Joe, what, tell me his the name. St. Joe Jack. St. Joe Jack, right. No, I've, I've uh, seen him around town. Uh, yeah. And he's going to um, be there also, and this is going to be a blast. Is, is this kind of anticipated to be the sort of end of summer uh, bash at Side Yard? Yeah, so we're kind of running it as like obviously the solstice is on Wednesday, but this is you know kind of the beginning of yeah. fall. So we're gonna we're, we we were joking around with it. We were like, oh, it's like fall de gras or like Mardi Fall, um, ah. like a fake Mardi Gras party that we're doing with a, a seafood bowl. Oh, that's right, because no room. Yeah, yeah. So so it's kind of our our joke is that that's what we're doing, and that's you know we're hoping hoping it's a fun time for everybody who comes out for it, and you know hoping that. Um, Nola Roof sells a bunch of bunch of fantastic seafood to everybody, and there's also going to be non seafood options too for people that don't want seafood. <laughs> and, awesome, and great cocktails. We're doing a, uh, I think we're doing a hurricane slushy. We're making sazeracs. We're doing it all. So that sounds great. And uh, Cam, good luck with all this stuff. It sounds like you know you've, you know you, you found a passion and various passions, and you're just going with all of them. That, that's awesome. You're living the you're living your best life, and you got a lot more to go. <laughs> awesome. 
Well, well, hey, I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure, and uh, I'm glad we finally got to do this. I've been I've been bugging you for a long time. I'm glad oh, you were man. finally able to do it. And I'm going to actually, after we hang up, I'm going to close out the show with a uh, couple songs of uh, from your various bands. So, uh, awesome. Thank you. Good talking to you. Thanks again. Hey, man. Have a good evening. You we'll too. see ya. Bye. And that was Cam Amina from Bonehawk, from Slim Gypsy Baggage, uh, owner of Sideyard, where they, they have a bunch of bands playing all the time. Uh, check them out. I am going to close this out with uh, one of the Slim Gypsy Baggage songs from their 2015. Well, it's a, a single from 2015 called Right Now. And here we go, right now.
That was Cam Amina on guitar with Slim Gypsy Baggage, who's playing at Cam's uh, uh, place in in Sawyer called Side Yard on on this Friday at uh, about seven o'clock p.m. Uh, September twenty third. And uh, you've been listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman. You're listening to us on Radio Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. Good night, everybody.